Welcome to Author Chat, a bi-weekly podcast featuring interviews, discussion, and conversation with some of the best authors from Morgan James Publishing. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Author Chat. Joining me today is my friend, Carrie Carbonaro, the money queen. Carrie is a CFP. She is a number one best-selling author, and she is a frequent contributor to some of your favorite financial programs and magazines. Carrie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you about The Money Queen's Guide. Um, it's a really interesting book, full, chock full of financial information for women. Um, can you talk a little bit about yourself and how the book came to be? Absolutely. So it's interesting. I have... Um... 25 years, believe it or not, experience working one-on-one with clients. And in that time, most of my clients, a majority are women, not exclusively women, but a majority are women. And I always see their stories of where they are, what they're doing, how they're making decisions, what's keeping them from making decisions. And I just said, you know, this is really interesting. I would like to share this knowledge with people so that they can learn from this and maybe not make mistakes or maybe do the right things with their money. So that was my first thing. And then my second thing was I went through a terrible divorce, which took a lot of years away from my life. And it was a really um, one of those ones that you read about in a book. And so I said, I really need to write about my divorce and what happened to me and my story. And I think it could be really inspirational to other women. And then what happened was I said, okay, I'm going to combine these two together. And so start out with my story, my book, my, my life, and then talk about what women should do during different stages of their life. Yeah, to protect themselves. And you structure the book so that it's broken down into not only how you can protect yourself in the event of a divorce, but also at various stages, um, set yourself up for success, and then you break it down in your 20s, 30s, 40s, I think 50s, 60s, and beyond. Correct. So what, what were some of the things that you suggest where women who, even if they're in their 40s, but they haven't fully taken control of their finances yet in order to guard themselves and their futures against, you know, either a situation like yours, which I wouldn't wish on anybody, um, and you are amazing for getting through it um, in one piece, um, but to just start to being more aware of their money because you never know what can happen. Right. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because I meet women who are, you know, happily married and, you know, some of them are stay-at-home housewives, some of them are not. But it, regardless, um, you know, when, when, when they feel like the husband controls the money and they're okay with that, um, I don't like that for them because then they just, they don't know what they have. They feel, I feel like they're in a more vulnerable position because what happens if A, he dies, or B, he cheats and you can't live with it and the marriage can't be repaired and you, and you know, you're going to go through a divorce. So, and it's not like either of these things are not possible, you know, and it doesn't matter how in love you are, you know, you know, I had a, a client who was in a fabulous marriage her entire life. And then he, his, her husband died in a boating accident. 
and and, and her son at the same time. So it was so incredibly life-changing. And, you know, she had never dealt with the finances before. And, you know, she didn't even really know, you know, what to do or where to start. And, and she was completely, completely overwhelmed. So I don't like any woman to be in the position that they're going to be in a vulnerable emotional state and then having to make decisions. So the more you can learn now when you're not in that state, the better. Yeah, you mentioned in the book that um, 42% of women lack financial security. And I guess you can apply that not only to actual income, but the the unknowing or, or not paying attention to family finances. Absolutely. Well, it's just, you know, it's, I, in my experience, a lot of women think, oh, somebody else is going to take care of that for me. Mm. And it's just, it's not something that I want to do. It's not something that I'm interested in. So somebody else should take care of it for me. It's almost like, um, uh, you have some, like, like if you want to go to, like, a, a, a mechanic or something. You know, you're not going to do your car yourself. You're going to have somebody else do it for you. But in general, it's, it's, it's you know, not to be stereotyped, but in most cases, it's, it's the man who's handling the money. However, the woman is the one that pays the bills, though, so she actually is not that far away from the, you know, she's, she's, she's closer to the, to the money than she thinks she is. That, I mean, that's how it is in my house. Um... <laughs> I definitely, I definitely pay the bills in my house, um, but yeah, I mean it's so important. And I, and I, you know, just from the people I know, I see a lot more women becoming empowered um, and taking at least an interest in their finances. Have you seen that in your business as well? Uh, I wish. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I think it's a matter of when you teach your children and at what age that they become interested in it. Um, and it's all about, you know, financial literacy and education at a young age. So it depends on your parents and how you're raised. And if they talk about money and if they teach you life lessons around money, then you're definitely more aware. And if they don't, you're not. Because you have to then go out in the world, you know, after college or after high school and figure it out yourself. And I guarantee you, you are going to be making the wrong decisions around money. Because you just don't know. It's true. I mean, it's it's ignorance through lack of education. It's it's not right. just. Yeah. So I, you know, that's why there's. I'm glad there's books like yours to spread that information because. Right. There was a lot of there was a lot of wealth of information and in handling your finances contained in your book. But if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about something in your book that was a huge theme, um, and it's a phrase that you. I think it was either you or. Your a therapist coined it was the designer bag lady. Yes. Can you actually? Talk about so, so full disclosure, he actually called it the Gucci bag lady, oh. but we were not allowed to put that in the book for because we didn't have rights from Gucci, so we changed <laughs> it to the designer bag lady. So it's so funny because anytime I hear somebody reference designer bag lady, I know the tr the real truth is it was the Gucci <laughs> bag lady. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, and that's what he called me. And he said, Carrie, you are the ultimate Gucci bag lady. And I'm like, that is hysterical. That's the best name I've ever heard in my life. And he said, you are a total dichotomy. He says, because you are successful, you are, uh, have your own money, 
have your have your own career, yet you are completely worried about being a bag lady. And that's what a designer bag lady is. Now, is that something you've seen? Um, yes, a lot of in your business. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I probably attract designer bag ladies. Bag ladies. <laughs> yeah, because they're they're exactly like me. So they're women who are completely successful in their roles, but still scared as heck that they're going to wind up with nothing. And how? And and I know that you go into a little a lot of this in the book, but just um, just a cursory overview. How do you encourage your clients um, who come to you with those bag lady fears? So one of the things is I am here to allay the bag lady fears. That's my role. That's my job as a financial planner. I'm the, I am like the voice of reality. So I will sit down with them and figure out where you are, where you're going, um, and can you run out of money? And will you run out of money? And actually assess the risk and give you like a score or a number so we actually can feel confident. So I'm here to take that fear away from my clients. That's really my role. And you help, and then you translate your role for your clients into your, as a role for your readers as well. Yes, I try to. (laughs) (laughs) Although it's not, it's not, it's not a one-on-one, you know, but I, 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 I try to make them feel uh, like they can be confident in their financial future as well. And what? Um, and, and again, I know you talk about this in the book, but just for you know people who are who are new to you and and are a little bit more curious, what kind of information is in the book? What are some of those things? What are some of the basics that people should know to help sort of assuage those fears? Sure. So a lot of a lot of the, the uh, money is um, very basic, you know. I, and and I always say. Uh, people who think that they can't do math think that they can't do money. And it's funny to me because I always um, didn't do great in math, but if you it gave me a money problem, there wasn't one that I couldn't solve. Like if you, if, So I don't know, there was something in my brain that just processed money different than, than like, you know, two trains going down a certain path, you know, yeah. a certain hour. I, I could, could not do those. <laughs> problem I could do. So I don't know, maybe I'll have a, 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 a wire loose in my brain that just only deals with money. But, um, but to me, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily math. It's, and if it is math, it's simple math. You know, it's, it's adding and subtracting. So that's like the only thing that I would ask my clients to do is adding and subtracting, which you can do on a calculator, you can do on a spreadsheet. But so like step one, the most basic thing that everybody should do is have a budget. So they need to know what's coming in each month, what's going out each month, and then what, if anything, is left over. So basic, so necessary. You know, I say on one of my uh, TV interviews, you know, you could do it on the back of a napkin. And I'm totally serious. So, I mean, this does not take a lot of money. It doesn't take high-tech tools. It's the easiest thing in the world, and everybody should start there. So that's step one. Because guess what? If you are negative every month, um, that is not a good, that's not a good situation. You know, you need to spend less than what's coming, in, coming out. I mean, mm-hmm. coming in. Come, ugh. You have to spend less money than what you make. And it even can be even. Let's say, it's, let's say you make it $2,000 a month and you spend $2,000 a month. 
then okay, then you're at zero, but at least you're not going into the red. You're not right. going negative every month. And then you have to make the choices on, you know, let's say I wanted to put 4% or 3% in my 401k because I'm getting matched at work. Well, if I take that money, it's got to come from somewhere else. So what can I cut out so that I can make that if I'm already at a balanced budget, meaning 2000 in, 2000 and out? I have to find something that's going to replace that money for the 401k. And by the way, the sooner you do it, the better, because what happens over time with a 401k, you need to automate it. If you're mm-hmm. given a choice to save, you won't save. And that's human nature, unfortunately. So you need to automate as soon as possible. So those are my first, like, baby basic steps. You know, then I think that everybody should look at their net worth. And, um, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, I have a nursing cold. Um, so then I think the, um, the, the net worth is really important as well. So your net worth is your assets, which is anything that you um, own, minus your liabilities, anything that you owe, equals your net worth. Again, hopefully that's a positive number. If it's not, you can work on it becoming positive over time. I tell my clients, um, every year your goal should be to grow your net worth. So that means paying off debt, you know, paying off your mortgage, um, paying down, you know, whatever you owe on your student loans or credit cards. Hopefully you're not carrying balances on your credit cards, but if you are, paying those down, uh, paying off your car loans so that your liabilities go down every year and then that your assets go up every year because you're saving more or the market's going up or a combination of both. Um, So really that's another really important goal because anybody who's strong financially has a positive net worth that grows every year. That's, well, I mean, that, that that would make sense, I guess. Right? So, um, so those are like some some basic things, and then you know I talk about I talk about housing, and you know because that's you know that's a huge expense for most people. Yeah. Um, housing is um, could be you know at at one point in people's lives you know they're paying fifty percent of their income on housing, except that that's too much. So I talk about what's the safe um, amount that you should be spending on housing. Um, for rent, you could actually do the calculation for renting or buying, but, you know, where I, I look at your principal interest taxes and insurance, and you take, you know, your gross income divided by 12 times 0.28, and that's the number that you should be shooting for. And if you're lower than that, that's, that means you're in fabulous shape because that means you're under, um, you're, you're living under your means. And if you're over that, not good, and especially if you are, you know, potentially someone's going to lose a job, or you know, you just never know. Um, your people just, I think, get so uh, crazed when it comes to buying a home or overpaying for a home, or I, I, I don't know. I mean, a home is a very emotional purchase as well, and just it's a, it's a. I've seen people get really hurt with mortgages and houses and being saddled with debt and then having short sales and bankruptcies and walking away and hurting their credit and, you know, just don't do it. You know, there's, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see the need to, to, um, for anybody in this country to live above their means when it comes to something like that. 
And, and that's an interesting point, and it's an interesting formula that you came up with because traditionally it's been you want to keep your housing costs at roughly 25% of your, I think it was your gross income. And then I heard it could go all the way up to a third. So that was a really interesting formula that you... Well, it's actually not exactly my formula. It's actually okay. the CFP board's formula. Oh, okay. Yes. And so it's the CFP board's formula, and, and it also is what the banks used to use for traditional lending underwriting guidelines. Huh. So it's a really tried and true formula. So it's been used for years and years and years and years. So, you know, the CFP, that when, when they teach um, uh, mortgage guidelines, that's what they use. When, um, when, you're, when, banking, when a banker is lending, that's the, the traditional formula that they use. So what happened in the, the boom of, what was that, 2003 to 2008 or 2007, you know, the, 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 the real estate boom, mm -hmm. a real estate boom in bust, but real estate mm -hmm. boom was around 2003 to 2008 or seven, seven, eight, depends where you, depends where you are, like, it, 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 it burst in, in 07. In, in Florida, and then it burst in 08 in New York. So mm -hmm. it depends on, you know, it was, it was not exact all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, what happens with that was they threw those conservative guidelines in the trash, and they didn't use them. And, you know, they didn't, you know, they, they what was the, the ninja loans, no income, no assets, no job. Mm -hmm. And so you could get a mortgage for anything, with no income, no assets, no job, and no down payment. So, of course, homes were going to go into default. They, people had no skin in the game. Mm -hmm. Or they had, you know, crazy um, mortgages that were um, amortized. Oh, my gosh, I can't even speak. Sorry, I'm sick. Uh, it was called negative amortization loans. So they went backwards, and so they were actually, you were, you were paying, but you were owing more money on the back end. And people had no idea that they were getting into that. Again, exo exotic mortgages, and, you know, and so that's some of the reasons why what happened for the financial crisis. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how relevant this is, but that's um, obviously what that movie The Big Short is about that was based yeah. on the book. It is. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but or if you've read the book. Um, I haven't read the book. My husband did, but I read, saw the movie. So good, so good. Um, but that's off topic. Um, <laughs> if you don't mind, I'd like to just circle back to your first point about um, having a budget. What would you or what would your what would you say or what would your advice be to women who just don't want to? face it, face doing it, face their income, face their expenses. They don't want to tackle it. Like they just want well, to. Well, you know what? Uh, it's, it's, then you know what they're doing? They're putting their head in the sand. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that difficult to, it's almost like, think about it. If you're going to, the, if you're going to a doctor and you're going to, you know, and you, and you know you're doing, you have horrible habits and you're, you know, you're smoking, you're drinking, you're eating bad. And you go to the doctor and you'll be like, okay, tell me, tell me what's wrong. You know he's going to tell you, 
something's wrong here because you're not doing anything that you're supposed to be doing right. So it's the same thing with a budget. So you can sit down and do it yourself or you can sit down and go to a planner, but usually you're not going to, I'm not going to get somebody who's, who's that terrible because they don't want to come to me it's because they don't, it's like going to a doctor when you're doing all the wrong stuff. So the only person that can help it, help you in that situation is yourself. So just take a look. Where are you? You know, do you need to have, you know, a hundred dollar a month cable bill? Can you, you know, can you get some an extra job to have more income coming in? You know, can you, you know, do you need, um, I don't know, a seventy dollar a month gym membership, or can you, you know, do do exercises, you know, off of YouTube and run up and down your stairs? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. It's all a matter of choices, and everybody has to make those choices for themselves. I think that I think that's a good point, and and to just add my own little two cents, having been one of those people who doesn't who doesn't want to face their money, you need to do it <laughs> because right. it's it's scary, and it's not something because you don't want to look at what you've been paying, but it's so much better, and it's actually freeing once you do. Right. Well, you know why? Because nobody. It's really true. I mean, because it's. I don't understand how I, how anybody doesn't do it, but I, I guess that it's scary, especially for the, you know for the first time, and you know it might be a negative number. Um, you know what's going out could be more than what's going in. I remember once I had a client who was a, um, an attorney. She's actually um, no longer with us, and she but she um, made a lot of money, and she was very smart. She was a judge, and. When she did her budget for the first time, she could not believe it. And she said, oh, mea culpa. I have more money going out than coming in. Complete, complete shock. She had no idea. This is a a judge. This is somebody who's smart. This is somebody who's educated. It doesn't mean anything. She just wasn't paying attention to what was going on in her account. Wow. I know, right? <laughs> so it's it's not it's not necessarily an income based no, problem or a class based problem where people don't pay attention. It's a it's an across the board problem. Yes. Yes. And I know that you talk a lot about cleaning those problems up in your book if people want to buy it, which I recommend. Um, and Carrie, if they do want to buy your book, where can they find it? Well, I personally really love Amazon. I'm an Amazon Prime person, <laughs> so I happen to be a big fan of Amazon because it gets you, gets you the, gets it to you the fastest and the cheapest. Um, however, it's also Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. You can get um, it on Kindle or ebook or Nook. Um, you can also get it on audio via Audible. So what I really like about that is I happen to have, I feel like my women clients have no time and no time to read. So if you actually buy it on Audible, you can listen to it in your car. You can listen to it on your iPhone. iPhone. Um, you can listen to it um, iPod, iPhone, whatever. Um, I had one of, somebody told me that they they brought it to the gym every morning and listened to it while they were on the on the treadmill. So I don't know. That's that's that to me seems like a good a good way to do it so that you don't have to sit down and and read. 
So however however you like to do it, but it's available almost everywhere, I would say. That's awesome. And if people wanted to connect with you, how could they do that? Sure. I'm easy to find. You can find me um, on uh, Twitter at Carrie Carbonaro or at Money Queen Guide, both, both places you can find me. And you can find me on Facebook at Carrie Carbonaro. I'm the only one. Um, you can also find me at Money Queen Guide on Facebook. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn at Carrie Carbonaro. I, actually, I think it might even be C. Carbonaro, Money Queen, CFP. But either way, just put my, put my name in and you'll find it. <laughs> it's <laughs> Carrie, C-A-R-Y. Carbonaro, C-A-R-B-O-N-A-R-O, like the pasta, but with an O on the end. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, Carrie, thank you so much. It's, it was wonderful to talk to you as always. Um, if anyone wants to find me on Twitter, you can do that. I'm at says Jana, that says J-A-N-A, or you can email me via the morganjamesspeakersgroup.com. Um, again, th Carrie, thanks so much for being here. Um, it was a lot of good information. Um, I encourage people to read your book. And I guess we'll see you all next time.